0: And I think for us, the big question is, how do you make up for nearly nine months of lost time in a a public hospital system that was already stretched beyond capacity pre-COVID? There are people who are unable to talk at the moment. There are patients with... Uh, spasmodic dysphonia who have not received their Botox injections for six months. It's had a profound impact on, on patient well-being. And so understanding how we will re that patient load, I think, is going to be um, an issue for restarting.
1: Welcome back to BLA Connections A Clear Voice. I'm your host, Natalie Watson, and I'm delighted to bring you discussions and insights from experts from across the globe on all things laryngology. Over the past six weeks, we have brought you discussions on leadership and training, virtual voice clinics, a patient experience of COVID-19 with a transition of surgeon to patient, we covered transgender voice and prof virtual, returned to give further insights and what we have learnt through the pandemic as we discuss the laryngological aspects of COVID-19. I would like to thank all of our guests who have volunteered their time and given us so much to think about. In today's episode, we would like to offer an international perspective and discuss the perspective from our colleagues from the Southern Hemisphere with their insights of the journey we have all been on during 2020. Dr. Amanda Richards, Consultant Laryngologist from Melbourne, Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you very much for having me, Natalie.
1: So what has been your experience of COVID-19 in your centres that you work in in Melbourne?
0: Well, I work within the two sectors um, across health in Victoria, and that includes both the private sector, um, which represents approximately 50% of our patient load, and also within our public health service. But I think that the experience across the two different systems has been quite similar. And to perhaps give some perspective to our listeners today regarding the Australian experience with COVID, I think it has been quite different compared to other countries over the world. We have to date approximately 28,000 cases in total in Australia of COVID-19, and my state, Victoria, um, has experienced 20,000 of those. We've had 900 deaths in total around the country, and 90% of those, again, have been in my home state. And like many other places around the world, we've seen a bimodal peak in the disease Um, But what is perhaps quite different is that we have experienced within Melbourne a very extensive lockdown period of a total of 110 days. Yeah, wow. And during that time, what that meant for us was that we could only leave home uh, for very specific reasons, such as getting food or receiving health care. At one point, we were only allowed within five kilometres of our home um we had a curfew overnight and that mask wearing um has been very well accepted and uh, fairly extensively utilized
1: wow so it's amazing the stark difference in how many covid cases there've been in such a huge 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 population of australia compared to um how the uk has been hit i didn't realize that there was that difference so I guess that the, the lockdowns have been really hard and, and the only thing that we've really heard over here is, you know, Melbourne's gone into lockdown again um, because we were aware that Melbourne was one of the harshest hit places or Victoria was one of the harshest hit places in Australia. But what about your services um, in, in Melbourne and beyond? How have you been able to kind of stop those services or whether you did? Or what happened to the services?
0: So generally speaking, we continued all of our um, urgent services uh, and our emergency services, Um, but the rest of the services for uh, elective outpatients uh, were immediately transitioned to a telehealth experience for the patients, and that we also stopped providing um, elective surgery for what we would consider our category two and category three patients. So those with conditions that are considered semi-urgent or non-urgent and we were just focusing on those patients that had the most urgent situations such as um, cancers and anyone that required care uh, within 30 days. Right. Thankfully, with the uh, downturn in, in the disease in Melbourne, we had um, up until I think yesterday been 42 days free of any COVID cases. Um, we, we've gradually worked our way out of it. And so that um, we're now back at 100% capacity. But if we reflect on, say, the end of September, where our rolling 14-day average of COVID cases was really only around the 20 cases per day mark, we were still then quite significantly restricted. So, the health services have had an opportunity um, to be able to keep on top of um, the ICU beds and also um, the elective theatre spaces. And so, I think it's given us the best opportunity to make our way forward now, effectively, now that we've returned to 100% capacity. Brilliant.
1: And I guess I was just reflecting about, you know, we're in the middle of winter here, but you're in the middle of summer. so. With viruses and, and how viruses um tend to kind of peak in the winter months. I guess with this second peak that we're having here in the UK, in in Australia, you you are you are blessed a little bit with the sunny weather.
0: Absolutely. that I think that that's so true. And of course, we also have that great advantage of being a very isolated island nation. And I think that's, um, al- although the UK, of course, is also an island nation, I think our experience has been different because we are uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. And that provided a huge advantage um, for preparedness for the pandemic.
1: Absolutely. So what have been some of the challenges to restarting, I guess, Uh, you know, your category two and category three patients? And have you been able to put any systems in place to overcome these?
0: That's actually been a really challenging thing. And I think for us, the big question is, how do you make up for nearly nine months of lost time? in a a public hospital system that was already stretched beyond capacity pre-COVID. And I think that one of the important things was really about having a very hard reflection about the pre-existing inefficiencies that we have within the system and seeing if there's anything we can modify there. You know, it's difficult to make up for that lost time. We can never have it back again. But perhaps if we can use those experiences that we've had within COVID and the lessons that we've learned to make a more efficient system down the track, I think that's going to be the best way forward. And one of the challenges that I'm finding within the laryngology world, of course, is trying to prioritise the, the patient load that, generally speaking, um, our client population is seen as a, a semi-urgent or a non-urgent um, patient caseload. Yeah. But we also need to consider that within, within those groups of people, there are people who are unable to talk at the moment. There are patients with spasmodic dysphonia who have not received their Botox injections for six months. It's had a profound impact on, on patient well-being. And so understanding how we will reprioritize that patient load, I think, is going to be um, an issue for restarting. And we're being proactive about it. Our government's already looking into um, public hospital patients moving into the private system to try and receive some of their care. Mm-hmm. But it, it certainly remains a really big challenge for us.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree, actually. It's, it's about trying to convince people of the importance of airway, hand voice and swallowing to people's quality of life and I I really feel that um, cancer has been so you know so prioritized and of course that is important but I think we have to be our patients advocates um, particularly with you know airway voice and swallow to say that people can't actually carry on living without being able to swallow properly or having an airway and and they have to be Prioritised now more that more than other surgeries, um, even in ENT. So um, that's uh, it's 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 something really to think about and to try and campaign and and be an advocate for our patients um, for the future. What are you planning for for the next steps? Do you feel kind of COVID nineteen will have a lasting impact on laryngology in Australia?
0: I hope that it will have a positive impact, to be honest, that I think we, we've we learned so much during this time in the pandemic. I think the two big things that I am really looking forward to um, changing uh, and integrating into my practice are reflecting on how we use technology in a, a day-to-day setting within healthcare. There was a small amount of he- uh, telehealth performed um, in Australia because, of course, we have a huge remote population. But generally speaking, most of us wouldn't um, have done that on a day-to-day basis. It would have been for the occasional patient only. But we're now really utilising the telehealth, as everyone is around the world, to try and still maintain um, the best standard of care that we can for our patients. And I think the other thing that's... that. I'm looking forward to other research opportunities that we've had around how um, teleconferencing is affecting our voice. And at the moment, um, myself and my colleagues are looking into uh, whether health professionals experience vocal fatigue when they're using telehealth. So I'm super excited about that and I'll be really looking forward to seeing what the results show. Me
1: too. Do let us know if you want to come on again and and let us know the results. That would be really, really great. Absolutely. Fantastic. So I wanted to ask, as the numbers of COVID-19 haven't been so numerous in your area, what type of COVID-19 consequences have you seen in your laryngology clinic now, post maybe ITU admission or even just having had COVID or, you know, with these people who have long COVID?
0: They actually haven't yet made it into um, my laryngology clinics, generally speaking, and and I think that's really just a reflection of the relatively small numbers of, of patients that we have been caring for. And uh-huh. um, the big difference I think I have seen is the is perhaps the indirect effect of COVID and how that has delayed presentation of other yep. other patients into the laryngology clinic. So not specifically with COVID related problems, but Um, really around the delays that patients have had with receiving their diagnosis or being able to access timely care.
1: Yeah and I think that's probably one of the main differences um, in the UK certainly in the laryngology clinic that I'm working in. I'd say about at least a quarter of our patients that we're seeing are post-COVID intubated patients who have long-term sequelae of having prolonged intubation or a tracheostomy Mm. which we're dealing with you know uh, granulomas either from a tracheostomy site point of view or posterior glottic uh, granulomas or posterior glottic uh, strictures so um yeah we're seeing many more complications of intubation but that's most likely just as you say the the, the sheer numbers that we are dealing with um is there anything else you'd like our listeners to take home about the Australian experience and laryngology services
0: um, I guess you know. I'd like for people to understand that although we've had far fewer cases than other places in the world, I think we've also had the same experiences as everyone else. That we have been worried for our patients, we've been worried for ourselves and for our colleagues, and we've been wondering how our health systems are going to to cope in it all. And I think I would really say that we always make the best decisions with the information and the resources that we have at the time. And when you then reflect back on that um, during a time of a pandemic, I think we need to look at that from a different perspective than we would if we are in a non-pandemic situation and that people have been working extremely hard and, and I think um, hats off to everybody who has been making a difference during the time in the pandemic, both within healthcare and also outside.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience of the Australian COVID-19 experience and the impact on laryngology services there. It's been really insightful and interesting to hear the differences and similarities of our experiences. And I'm really excited to hear of your research news when that comes through.
0: Thank you very much, Natalie.
1: We hope you have enjoyed listening to series two of BLA Connections, A Clear Voice. I have been your host, Natalie Watson. We will take a short break and return in the new year. We would like to wish you a restful, happy and healthy Christmas. And we look forward to seeing you in 2021 and moving forward as we exit the pandemic. In 2021, we'll be talking about well-being and furthering our education with various laryngology topics. We would also love to hear from you please feel free to email with any topics you would like us to explore, any questions you have, along with any suggested experts you would like to hear from. Also, if you would like to contribute to these podcasts, please email inquiries at britishlaryngological.org. Our full series can be found in the podcast provider of your choice, or you will find all stored on our BLA Connect app for easy access. Thank you to all our listeners, and we hope you found our podcast informative. Please remember to subscribe and do leave a review with your podcast provider. We do appreciate your likes, subscribes and reviews.